Hi, uh, welcome back to Topside Talks. I'm Suzanne and I'm here today with my sister Jackie. Hello, and this episode you are listening to LPAs, What Are They? So what this podcast will cover is what's the importance of a lasting power of attorney? They're not a light-hearted choice. LPA myths and what can an LPA do and not do? What are LPAs? LPAs, lasting powers of attorney. There are now two of these and they are fast becoming the most popular and important pieces of paperwork you can have during your lifetime. So there's two different types. One is for health and well-being and the other is for property and finance. And they are fast becoming the most important pieces of paperwork that you can have that work for you whilst you are alive. So whilst Suzanne has touched on the point that these are probably the single most important pieces of paper that you could have in your lifetime, they are not easy to get. Um, they take ages to get and put in place and the person that they belong to, the donor, has to approve you as their attorney to have these pieces of paper. They have to have the most primary important thing is the mental capacity and understanding to do this. You can only put these in place when the person, the donor, the patient is able to do that because they still know what they're giving power to. And then when you've got them, after these many months waiting, they can only be used at specific times. The finance one, um, as and when directed and immediately, but the health and wellbeing can only be used when the capacity that they have to have at the beginning to give it to you is actually waning and then it becomes important for you to step up and be the attorney that, that they've asked you to be. So the key thing is, lasting powers of attorney are pieces of paperwork that allow you as the chosen attorney to act for someone else on their behalf and only in their best interests. So what that means is the person who is what we call the donor is the person that has to create the piece of paperwork. So if they don't have the mental capacity at the time, they can't create that piece of paperwork. So I, Suzanne, would be the donor and I'm asking my uncle Jeffrey to be an attorney and act on my behalf when I'm unable to do so. So there's lots of myths about these pieces of paperwork. <coughs> so one of these myths is that that means you're just giving all your power away. That's not true. The person who is the attorney being asked to act on your behalf can only do it if you do not have the mental capacity to do so when it comes to the health and well-being power of attorney they can't just decide oh i think you should go into a home or oh i think you should have this sort of treatment they can only make those types of decisions for you if you are unable to make those specific decisions for yourself and even then they must only act in your best interests and do what you if you had the capacity would have chosen to do and as far as the financial and property one goes the only difference with that is that yes yeah, jackie said you can use it whilst 
uh, you still have capacity in lots of other ways. So the easiest way to explain that is you can say to your daughter, I've got you as a power of attorney. That means you have permission whilst I'm at home because I've got stomachache to pop down to my bank and just do this transaction for me. But again, she can only do that because you've given her permission and you have a lasting power of attorney in place. The power of attorney is important because it puts your wishes as you would want them carried out to someone you trust to carry those wishes out when you no longer are able to. And it means that the institutions, the banks, the medical practitioners, the health service have to listen because the person that is unwell or needs the financial support has said this person is who I trust to do that and you have to listen. And it doesn't mean that because we say when you haven't got the capacity to do so but that could just be a short interim moment. You may be in hospital because you've got a broken leg and be under anaesthetic for a long period of time and you need certain things in your life to carry on going but you're not able to do it for that short period of time. So it doesn't mean, oh, you've just gone gaga. There's this idea and this misconception that mental capacity means you're completely gaga and you can't do anything for yourself. But that's not necessarily how it works. So we learn because we didn't have it in place with dad, where it would have been really useful. We would have been able to talk to the companies that he bought these products from and we would have been able to say, look, we have lasting power of attorney. At this moment in time, he hasn't got the capacity to make these decisions for himself. And therefore, we could have stopped him getting himself into debt. And we now know that at the time, after we took his credit cards away from him, he was relieved. So we know that would have been working in his best interest, but we didn't have the right paperwork. Later, down the line, when mum got diagnosed with cancer and ill, we had this paperwork in place and she went into hospital. She was vulnerable. She was going through cancer treatment and she had COVID. She went onto a COVID ward. We weren't able to be with her, even though we had been with her right up with her close to her for the last 48 hours before we discovered she had COVID. We weren't technically allowed to go on the ward, but we knew that although mum had capacity, mental capacity to get dressed, to make a cup of tea, to have conversations, to do all day-to-day -day practical things, she did not have the mental capacity for any medical decisions, any medical conversations, the medication she was on, anything to do with her medical care, she didn't have a clue. She, it went in one ear, out the other ear, and it, it is quite rightly so that in a hospital or any care setting, healthcare setting, the medical profession talk to the patient. But they didn't know because mum would just go, yeah, 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 I understand, I understand. But she didn't, that she did not have mental capacity for this. And I'm trying to say is we were able to get into the ward and be with her right at a vulnerable time when she was scared and crying because we had this piece of paper. Without it, I don't know what she would have been like. Yeah, so they had to listen to us because we had a power of attorney. So that's how powerful it was. We got into a COVID ward 
um, into an isolation ward with our mum who didn't know where she was and was in floods of tears because we had the power to say, you have to listen to us, we have a power of attorney. Mm. So critical. So obviously this isn't a piece of paperwork that or a decision that's taken lightly, but it is really important. But I've got some paperwork in front of me to let you know that you, the donor, who's the one that creates the paperwork, you appoint attorneys. Those are the people you've chosen to act for you. Now, lasting power of attorneys are governed by the Mental Capacity Act 2005. The regulations made under it and the Mental Capacity Act Code of Practice. And any attorneys, any people that you appoint, must have regard to these documents when they act on your behalf. So there's five key principles to the Mental Capacity Act. The first one is that your attorneys must assume that you can make your own decisions unless it is established that you cannot do so. Number two, your attorneys must help you to make as many of your own decisions as they can. They must take all practical steps to help you make a decision and they can only treat you as unable to make a decision if you have not succeeded in helping, if they, sorry, have not succeeded in helping you make a decision through those steps. The third one, is that your attorneys must not treat you as if you're unable to make a decision just because it's an unwise one. And there's lots of stories I can tell you about those and we'll do that in another podcast. So we'll have a whole other podcast probably on the Mental Capacity Act. And the very last one is that before your attorneys make a decision to act for you, they must consider whether they can make the decision or act in a way that is less restrictive of your rights and freedom but still achieves the purpose you said there were five acts yes sorry i did i missed one the other one is your attorneys must act and make decisions in your best interests when you are unable to make a decision to do something like that. So basically, I've given you, my attorney, the right to make decisions for me absolutely when I am not able to make them and only because you know what sort of decision I would have made if I was able to make it. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, you can restrict what decisions they can make. You can add that to your LPA as well and be quite specific about that. So it really is a document that I would advise if you choose to make it, that you make it with a professional. You can make them on your own. You can do them on your own. But these sort of questions and the intricacies of it may not get covered properly and it will fail. So a professional would be somebody like JT Accounts or um, a legal specialist and a professional when you're making it is a third party that will give you both sides of the what you need to be thinking of when you're giving power to somebody that's not you. So I, I could say to you, okay, well, if you're giving the end of life decision to this person, do they know in what circumstances that would be acceptable to you? So you put both sides of the story to the people that are doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you give uh, compelling arguments for both sides. You keep it so that you can really think through the document and how you would like it to act for you. 
Um, and also you can change it as long as you have the capacity to change it. I just want to say about wills, because it is something that gets really complicated and people often ask about it. It is in the power of attorney. And that is that your attorneys cannot use the LPA to change your will. The LPA will expire when you die. And so your attorneys must then send the registered lasting power of attorney and any other copies um, of the power of attorney back to the office of the public guardian. They can only access your will if you've given specific permission for them to be able to do that, but they can't change it in any way. Um, I would advise somebody to think about getting a lasting power of attorney um, as early as possible, to be honest. It's not just about being old and losing the capacity. Accidents can happen at any time. When you've got any sort of wealth, um, any sort of money in bank accounts, children, um, even pets, it's worth having the, the thought process just to, to put a power of attorney in place as early as possible because, as Suzanne said, you can change them. As long as you've still got the capacity, you can amend them as you go through life. Yeah, so you can do a lasting power of attorney from 18, any any point after the age of 18, or at 18. And, yeah, you know, there's lots of children in hospital. There's lots of accidents that unfortunately happen when you are still in you know, your youth, that mean that you might lose a level of your mental capacity, either uh, for a short period of time or permanently. And this document, there are ways that you can act for someone if they, like with the vulnerable, if they haven't got the capacity to act for themselves. But those processes after the age of 18 are extremely convoluted and extremely expensive. So the earlier the possible is the motto here. 100%. So just because you've listened to this podcast to the end and just because JT Accounts actually does do LPAs, you don't have to come with us. But it costs nothing to have a chat. We are there to support you. We are there if you want to use us to help you apply for and gain an LPA. Um, as with any of our podcasts, wherever you're listening from, our contact details should be attached to the podcasts. And you can look at our website, jt-accounts.co.uk and get in touch with us that way as well. So the question we asked is, if you could say something to or ask death anything, what would it be? I've got, um, when were you born? That's a bit of a mind one, isn't it? When were you born? What, death? Mm. Was he born? Well, it would. Mm. Well, yeah, was he born is another one. Ooh. Others? Why are you late? Oh, wow. So obviously there's timed appointments. Timed appointments or somebody who wants to go. You know, people want to go. They're, you know, when someone's partner dies as well, I, I know people that have said, you know, I, I'm ready to go. I don't, I don't want to stay anymore.